That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails. Uh-oh, this is a Dateline special episode. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash, and I am joined by my intrepid researchers, cousin, sister, uh, love of my life, Christy Oxborough. How are you? You know, it's been a day. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I have kids, as you know. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong, I, I love them to pieces. They are... Of course you know, just like smart and funny. And they're sometimes so fun to hang out with. But you know what else they are? Fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that is a trait of children. Yes. It's, it's a lot. And they like to hang out at the dining room table where I'm working my case. And it just doesn't help i'm only now realizing why didn't i go get headphones <laughs> i just put up with their their youtubes and their whatever they were watching but jesus it was it was a lot so due to that i've brought a friend with me tonight and i hope you don't mind oh my gosh choo choo <laughs> <laughs> she's back and she's better than ever it's brandy ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i wasn't gonna leave brandy behind not today Oh, Brandy's Brandy lifts me up <laughs> when I need it. Yeah, God, so God love her. Yeah. God love her. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, I'll have you know that I'm yeah. drinking a, a high noon. Now, again, these people give oh. us no money. Um, this <laughs> no. is my favorite one. It's the lime flavor. And this is if it, you want a margarita, but you feel like it might be too heavy. This is what you want. You know what I'm saying? Because I had a bit of a weekend. I uh, It was American Thanksgiving, and I went too hard. I just ate too much. I drank too much. It was too much. But the good news is, is that for the people watching this, you already noticed, but for the people listening, I am wearing my new Sparkle Reindeer plush scrunchie because it's tis the season. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I have gone crazy this year decorating my house. I've bought multiple like holiday themed rugs. Like things that you don't think about. I I think just because 2020 has been such a, you know, such a bear. I was like, I'm going as hard as I want to go. Yeah. It's... (laughs) It's your God-given right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank and you. Yeah, I mean, one might say you normally do go quite hard at Christmas. I do. I do, yeah. But, I mean, this year, have at it. You know, just like do whatever you feel is necessary. I don't think I've ever bought a fun rug in any way. Let me tell you something. I'm obsessed with these things. And it listen, again, shout out to Ruggable. They they give me they give us no money, but I love them. And the good thing about them is is that there's a pad with a with a overlay and the overlay is, is it folds up small enough you can put it in the washing machine and when you've got multiple animals like I do mm-hmm. that are throwing up, you know, all of the above uh, around the house, it's yeah. uh it's key. It's key. Uh, so yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a hap hap holly jolly time over here, and I love that I could have like, I I don't know. First of all, I could have not drank doing this. Arguably, I could have said, yeah. oh, I'm taking the night off, uh, or I could have faked it and I could have emptied a can and then put something else in. But that's not how I roll, you know? No. no. Because it doesn't matter that the people wouldn't know. I would know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I can't be deceitful like that. I would take that secret to the grave. You know that. <laughs> I do. I do. But, but yeah, I get it. I don't it. want to I don't want to burden you with it. You're not you're not the type your your soul is too pure. You're just not you're not one for the lies. You know? I can't. Yeah. I get they it. eat me alive. Like they literally do. Like people are like, Oh, you can lie, you're an actor and I'm like, it's two different things. Acting yeah. and lying are two different things completely. Not to sound like a pretentious D bag, but <laughs> You know, playing a character and yeah. lying. It's it's two different things. And lying makes me makes my stomach hurt. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I get it. Now I should before we move on from Christmas, I should also tease that this today that you're listening to this, if you're listening to this a day it came out, is December eighth, which means there are still four more days to enter our twelve days of Christmas giveaway, which is very exciting. If you're listening to this after the twelfth of December, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You missed your chances. But oh, if, we'll have other ones sometime. Of course, yes. Yeah. We had so much fun doing our first giveaway, we decided yeah. to do another. And listen, go over to our Instagram account, at True Crime and Cocktails, because there are a million different ways that you can enter our draw. We've got 12 days of ways that you can enter it. I'm already rhyming and I'm not even trying, you know? Uh, it just comes naturally to me. We're so excited about this. The giveaway items are so awesome. And I attribute that all uh, to Christy. She's put together something that if you are a fan of the show, uh, which by now I I hope that you are, or maybe you're finding us now. But the point is, is that if if you've been listening since the beginning, you are going to definitely want to uh, have a chance to win one of these prize packs because they're awesome. Yeah. Are we doing two or are we doing one? We're doing two, baby. Okay. Yes. All right. Because we can't, we don't believe in one winner. I guess. <laughs> it feels it's wrong. Just, it's well, there's two of us. Are. Two of us, You're two right. winners. You're but right. yeah, but we, you know, the first the first one we did, obviously, it was, you know, if you leave us a review on Apple, send us a screen grab, you get an entry into the draw. Now, you still can do that. If you haven't left us a, a review on Apple, you can still do that, screen grab it, send it to us, 
uh, either, of course, on our, our Instagram DM or email theories at truecremacocktails.com. Uh, but that's not the only way to enter. So if you don't have access to Apple, et cetera, go to our page. There's a million different ways to enter. And you can enter a, a million times. Like, there isn't like you can only enter once. We've set it up so that you can enter multiple times, multiple chances, et cetera, et cetera. Very exciting. Yeah. I am... I hate to go and say it again, but Brandy's pushing it. I'm so <laughs> jazzed about it. I mean, I'm also terrified at the organization of it. But I also live for the organization of it. I know. I, know I mean, do. I there's just so much I can't say in case it hasn't happened yet in those days. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. So. A lot of fun stuff. Keep your eye yeah. on the Instagram account. You're not going to want to miss it. A um, couple things. So the, today's episode is a special episode. It is different than where it's not an unsolved mystery from unsolved mysteries. It's an unsolved mystery from Dateline. This is something I spoke about it, I believe, at the end of our last episode. I watched this episode as one does because when I'm not viewing for work, i.e. this podcast, I, when I'm viewing for pleasure, apparently I still watch true crime. So that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, but I, I watched this episode. It's a pair of cousins who are trying to solve a mystery. That reminded me of us. Mm-hmm. It was something that has happened very recent. And I thought that might be something interesting because a lot of the unsolved mysteries that we have tackled and a lot of the unsolved mysteries are cases that have been unsolved for you know decades often right so i pitched it so this episode is hope whispers if you haven't watched it that's okay we're gonna walk you through it every step of the way don't feel like you're gonna miss any details if you have watched it buckle up because we're gonna get into it (laughs) but you told me that there's actually uh there's another connection to this story and us not just the sleuthing cousins but there's another connection and and i i'm curious about what that is uh, the husband and wife in this story, yes, when they met, their first date was at the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know exactly yep. where this is going. Can't wait. Yeah. Cannot yeah. wait. Oh boy. Uh, wow. What year yeah. was it that we first went to the Hard Rock? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go with probably early 2000s maybe i want to say it was 2002 whenever eight mile came out right (laughs) (laughs) so we were very young uh for 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 context we were very young and christy can visit me we sure did we watched it twice in the theater uh i believe two nights in a row maybe yes 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 we did yeah there's no shame in that. But Chrissy came to visit me. I was living in Toronto uh, in an, uh, an apartment with a roommate. And we, <laughs> what a time. So it was walking distance to a hard rock. And the hard rock in Toronto at the time, I don't think it even exists anymore. But at the time, it was in a kind of like a busy-ish area. So we decided to, to go because I don't think either of us had been to one at that point. And it was like, hey, let's no. check this out, right? Let's check this out. And um, I remember things I remember. We ordered the platter, which came on three tiers. It was it was a tower of Mm -hmm. appetizers. And, and, you know, we went back subsequently like years over the years. But we were always chasing that dragon because I don't feel like the platter was ever as good as it was that first time. It shrunk every single time. And also, I swear that there were so many dipping sauces. There were. So many. 
but yet we go back and it was like, ah, here's a pack at a ranch, you know, like it was, <laughs> they were nicer than that. But yeah. like, it, it just felt like it was so just dumbed down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. It was watered down. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. so we're, we're at the, we're at the hard rock. We're eating a nice meal, which is a tower of appetizers. <laughs> and somebody approached us at the table. Was it, or was, were we going to leave? How, what, the, uh, or did we go upstairs? What happened? The waitress, who uh, could only be described as very Rosie Perez-esque. Yes. Because she even had, like, the curls and, like, the tight little pony at the top. Um, and she came up to us and was just like, so, ladies, what's your evening looking like? And we're just like... I don't know. We're just two gals out on the town doing, you know, what gals do. Yeah. And she was just like, you guys want to go to a free concert? And we were like, yes, please. <laughs> and she gave us tickets to a concert that was upstairs from the Hard Rock. And I think there was a little bit of time. I remember us going to my apartment and coming back, but that might not have happened. I just know that we it's for possible, sure, yeah. we for sure had leftovers. So yeah. it should be known that if it wasn't, I kind of want to believe this is true, that we went up to this club, to this concert, and that we brought our bag, our doggy bag, because there was no way we were, <laughs> we were leaving good food. You know, we wouldn't do that even to this day. So either it lived with our coats upstairs while we watched this show or we had taken it home and come back. I don't remember exactly. But what was the name? What was her name? I'm totally blanking. The waitress or the band? The, the band. The, okay, the singer. The, the waitress. I, <laughs> I don't know if I even knew in the moment. So I was very impressed if you thought I knew. The band was Lennon. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes, Lennon. Now, I remember mm -hmm. she got some heat around that time. It was kind of like a like a female-fronted band, and she very kind of goth-ish. Yes. Right? It was not a super-packed concert. No. But listen, we and we the opening band, I always got the name wrong. Is it Government or Generation? It's Generation. Generation. That was, that was the name of the opening band. Yep. But I kept calling it Government after. It's, it's a long G word. I don't know. We were drunk. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I remember us watching the show and we got into it. Like it was like, listen, we love concerts yeah. and, and discovering new music and stuff like that. So we and went we for it. And we love free. We do. That's also our favorite. Our favorite, of course, our favorite uh, <laughs> price tag. Yeah. But but at some point after, so we stayed through the whole show. We watched, I think, two opening acts. We yeah. watched Lennon's show, and then we stuck yeah. around because because again, we were having a time. And that's when we met. Was he the bassist or the guitar player? I want to say bassist for Lennon. I don't know. I think I, it was bassist. It could be. I mean, I feel like. I should have known this was coming, so I should have known to look him up. I'll look him up after. Of course. Um, assuming he's still alive. I well, don't know if he is. It's hard to say. Uh, so keep in mind, like, the lead singer, this gal, who we talked to as well, who was very nice. Yes. She was very young, you know, and I think it was, it was kind of in the era of Avril Lavigne and stuff like that. Like, they were looking for kind of, like, young rocky singers yeah. more rock than pop to like kind of counteract the huge Britney Spears Christina because that was so huge at that time that I think there was like a real push for this anyway long story short so she was a very young you know bright-eyed lovely gal and then this bass player introduced himself to us as Stone his name was I will repeat Stone and he was <laughs> I gotta say late 30s 
at least Easy. like he was he was one of those dudes that's like a career musician who who I'm sure you know was in a lot of different touring bands and stuff like that over the years probably mm-hmm. never and I, I no offense stone if you're listening uh I hope you succeeded I hope you're playing for someone big who knows but um What's amazing is I believe this was the same trip that we have referenced on other podcast episodes where I sang at Jamioki and then we were walking home yeah, that and right. a car literally like crossed three <laughs> lanes of traffic to hit on Christy because she's a beacon. Same oh. with Stone. Stone just went for her like he spotted her and he was just like, yep, that's what I want to talk to right now. Um, so I remember we stayed for a while and we talked to Stone like in a booth at the Hard Rock. And then he started going on about asking if there was any pharmacies that were still open nearby. And certainly in the early 2000s and in, in, I don't know, I, I, certainly in Toronto. No, there wasn't. We didn't, maybe until midnight at most. But like there was no 24-hour pharmacies that I remember. Maybe a couple. But anyway, he started to tell you, I believe, about how he had back problems and really needed to get his hands on some codeine. Yeah. But at one point he like outright asked if we happened to have any on us. And codeine feels so specific. I was like, is it a code for something else? Like, is this a code for other drugs or something? We were too innocent to know. We were. But I remember being like, do you want to hook up with this guy? Like, should I, (laughs) should I back away? Like, how, how should I handle this? Whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember the way I remember it was the first 10 minutes you were like kind of into it. And then over time it was just like, oh, I no, I'm not interested in this. This man is a drug addict who's looking for a hit. There is a reason you should talk to someone for more than 10 minutes before deciding <laughs> if you're going to sleep with them or not. And you did, and that's the yes. positive thing. And I did, and we we walked away. We did. I can't believe we survived. Like, that band Generation, they had uh, a trailer parked right. outside, and they were like, hey, you gals, I don't know why everyone is referring to us as gals. I like but it. You gals uh, seem like you had a good time. You want free shirts? And we were like, uh, yes, please. And so they gave us shirts and then they were like, you uh, want to come in the camper? And we were like, no. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Smartest I, move we ever I made do because I truly that. believe yeah. we wouldn't have come back. No, they it's also gave so us free sketchy. CDs. They're, they gave us they their did. CD for free. I think they, they appreciated the fact that we were being street smart and like, no way are we getting into your weird, gross camper van. But the, the last thing I do remember so vividly is we had been hanging out with Stone. And also, like, none of his bandmates were sitting with him and us, and it made me feel like yeah. maybe he was, like, he was the one-track mind, which was codeine, codeine. Was so specific. <laughs> like, are you getting cough syrup? Anyway. And then I remember us being, like, I, I think we had a code. I-, I think we had a code word that it was, like, I think, was it, like, there was some, I think we had some sort of code word where it was, like, we need to get out of here. And oh, yeah, one of us right. dropped the code word, and the other person was, like, yes. Uh, and then I remember he was very upset we were leaving. And then yes. got like mad we were leaving, right? Like, yes. it, didn't it get a little bit dark? Yes, with it like in a second, like just yeah. flipped as soon as he realized, oh yeah, you've lost out on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was into it. He was not oh, interested in, 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 in me at all. Um, but then I re- and then the last thing I remember is us going like, yes, this is the right move. This guy's getting aggressive. This is creepy. Yes. And then as we left, he like followed us out down the stairs. And then I remember him like in the snow because I, I just remember this so vividly, like us turning around. And he was still there, like watching us walk away. Mm-hmm. Stone. You gotta you gotta look him up. 
white pages. There's got to be a way that we can find out his last name if we do like deep Googles and then we white page this shit and then next week we got to talk about it. Yes, but we're not convinced his real name is Stone, right? <laughs> you're right. It was probably not his given, it's not his Christian name if that's but what you're saying. <laughs> there's got to be a trail from like follow the band, do a little deeper Oh, yes. yeah, I got this. I'll, I'll write it down and uh, I love it. look into well, it. Stay tuned to be continued. The Stone Saga, <laughs> uh, which ironically, Stone Phillips also, wasn't he on Dateline? Stone Phillips for years? So it could be his given name. There is a real Stone. Although, who's to, who's to say Stone <laughs> Phillips' given name is Stone? He could have chosen that. I just assumed the, the bassist chose it because he was, you know. Stone, duh. A hundred percent. Well, he sure wanted to be. Again, Cody, yeah. the, the last thing you'd ever expect yeah. to be to be uh, <laughs> hounded for. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the episode. Again, this is Hope Whispers. It is an, a Dateline NBC mystery, and it just spoke to me. So we're gonna we're gonna give you a brief synopsis, and then of course, as we go, you'll get more of the story. You guys know how the show works. What am I doing? It's episode twelve. Doesn't it feel like more than 12 episodes? We were talking about this before we started. I was like, it feels like we've done 30. But anyway, <clears throat> it's a joy. In June 2019, so again, very recent, Jeff Green told his daughter Ellie that her mother Angela had been taken to a mental hospital. Three weeks later, Jeff broke the news that Angela had died of a stroke. But when Angela's family got suspicious and started their own investigation, they discovered that no death certificate had ever been issued and that Jeff told police an entirely different story. So what exactly happened to Angela Green? So this story starts, obviously, uh, I mean, the whole thing is so bizarre, right? Every step of the way, it's, and I think that was why I was so compelled buy this and I said to you immediately like you got to watch this tell me what you think and you were like we're doing it because it was just such a bizarre story obviously Angela and and Jeff had been married for some time Ellie their daughter was an only child so they were kind of this tight-knit or seemingly tight-knit family unit and it really seems interesting to me that there's so many details of this that just kind of it happened in the way that they did it's just a very odd way uh, certainly in on Jeff's part, I think it's a very odd reaction to the death of your wife or potential death of your wife. And I want to yeah. I want to crack it. So we got to get into this thing. Yeah. So this starts on June 19th, 2019, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and so this this whole thing starts and they, they kind of allude to it in the episode that Ellie and her mom, Angela, had gotten into a fight and Angela threw Ellie out of the house. So I'm assuming yeah. she was living at home at the time, but she was away at college. Was that what it was? She had uh, just finished her freshman year at uh, the University of Kansas. Yes. And then she spent a month in Italy studying abroad. And she had just come back. She'd only been back for like five days. She just started uh, seeing a boy who uh, was in the episode. And her mother just did not care for it. I think, I mean, there's a whole thing... Where it's saying, like, her mother, her entire life was this daughter. Right. That's all, like, she put everything into this daughter. And so the idea that the daughter now, like, lives further away and doesn't need her as much probably put a little strain on her. Right. And then for her to get a boyfriend was probably even more upsetting because in high school, Ellie was not allowed to date. 
Oh, interesting. She wasn't allowed to go on sleepovers. She wasn't allowed any sort of things like that because her mother was so focused on like education and stuff and I and all kinds of academics. I mean, this girl, she's like eight. She was 18 at the time when this happened last year. And she speaks fluently four languages. Wow. She like is an accomplished uh, pianist. She's go. She was valedictorian of her school. She was also like tutoring other students. Like she's super impressive. Like I will never speak <laughs> two languages, let alone four. So. I know I, languages are not my thing either. They're so hard. So she was, yeah, and so it does, I do remember that they alluded as well to saying something about Angela was upset that they hadn't been spending very much time together. Yeah. Uh, which, listen, it is a huge adjustment. Obviously, I know for, I'm sure, many parents seeing their baby birds fly out of the nest must be, you know, overwhelming at best. But certainly, since they had such a tight leash on her in high school, and then in a very short amount of time, things drastically changed, you know, in terms of she's gone to Italy for a month, to study yeah. and then she comes back and she has a boyfriend and I'm sure she wants to be spending time with him. I could see I could see a mom who is obviously very involved in her child's life. I could see that being yeah. that uh, easy cause of a fight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she suddenly feels like she's just not needed anymore. And it's like, a, all right, fine. Go off. Do your own thing. You don't need me anyway. Take a hike. Just go. She said that they've had fights before, but she's never once thrown her out before. Right. So that was a big, uh, a big thing because yeah. she'd never done it. Interesting. So what else, what are the other key points here? So Angela Green was an immigrant. That's important to note. Yes. Um, she was born in China. I'm going to respect the Chinese by not pronouncing the city she was from. (laughs) (laughs) She was 51 at the time she disappeared. Her parents were both college professors. She had an older sister who immigrated to the United States uh, about a decade before Angela did. Angela was also like... She was a real homebody. Like, everybody was like, she she didn't drive at night. Or she didn't like to drive at night. She didn't even like to go out by herself. So if she had to do like the grocery store or something, she would either take her husband or her daughter with her because she just didn't like going out. And the main thing is she could write and read English, but she couldn't really speak it. Oh, that's interesting. Even after like 20 some years of living in America, like in the States and in Kansas of all places where I'm sure it's not, you know heavily mandarin or anything you know like i'm sure english is the quite the main language in and around kansas and her husband jeff only spoke english he could not understand her at all so there was a lot of issues between them because of the language barrier and at some point when ellie was old enough she kind of had to go back and forth between them to try and like help translate because neither were kind of interested in learning each other's language. And to that, I'm going to say, if movies have taught me anything, it's that when you truly love somebody, you learn their fucking language. <laughs> Colin Firth fell in go. love in just few weeks 
in love actually. Yeah. And he went and learned her language. And she learned his. It is meant to be. Like, it's just... (laughs) See, I just, that story never resonated with me in love, actually. I don't know why. Everyone loves that story. There's a moment, and I'm sorry (laughs) for anybody that this might spoil, but that movie's over a decade old. Oh, at least, yeah. You know, there's a moment when Colin Firth goes in to kiss her, and he puts a hand across her cheek, which is the to pull in, you know, which is my favorite move uh, on movies. And he goes, he has his hand there and he takes his thumb and he gently wipes it across her lips and then just pulls her in. It is so hot. I, I want to just say, I'm, I'm very familiar with the movie, but it's never affected me as much as hearing you describe it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've viewed that many times, but hearing yeah. you describe it, I mean, I guess this is why people like, uh, you know, romance novels. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Listen, I love the movie, and I know that a lot of people yeah. have a lot of hate for Love Actually. I love yes. it. I just felt like that story wasn't my personal favorite. Oh, yeah. Like, of all of the stories, it was lower down because, I mean... I think I only really loved it because I loved Colin Firth. Yeah, I get that. There's a lot of issues in there. I just also really felt for him because his girlfriend was cheating on him. And I just, it was a whole thing. But I mean, obviously, the number one relationship we care the most about in that movie is Hugh Grant, right? (laughs) Are you not going to say yes? I love that one, but you know what you know what it is <gasps> for me. Say no. You know what it is for me? It's uh oh here I go. <laughs> I'm gonna well up right away. It's Liam Neeson and his and his oh. stepson. That's the relationship for me. That's the that's See, the love story for me. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I was uh I was I was thinking with my crotch and thinking just about the love love. I wasn't thinking with with my heart and thinking about just relationship love. Yeah. And uh, that moment when he calls him dad. When he calls I, him dad. Oh, yep. Here we go. I can't. <laughs> no. no. I find personally it's the most moving of, yeah. of the stories, personally. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean... Yeah, God, I'm. <laughs> we, I swear to God, we could do a full episode discussing that movie because oh, there's yeah. a lot of things. I also really like uh, Jim and Judy. Oh yeah, that's cute. I like that couple. They're really fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's and you're right. There's more than just the like romantic love. There's the yeah. there's like a brother sister and then the father son and. There's just a lot of stuff going on in that movie. And uh, if you hate it, just maybe give it another chance. Give it a shot. I accept that you hate it. You accept that we love it. Absolutely. And we just agree to disagree and we move on with our lives. Because it, if it gives somebody joy, then what, what does it hurt you? You know what it's, I mean? Like Absolutely. It gives this- us joy. Be happy that it gives us joy. Thank you well, very much. I couldn't yeah. agree more. So back to the case. So... So Jeff met Angela overseas. He met her, and then she came over Mm -hmm. to America 
to marry him. As you've already touched on, obviously they were having some communication uh, issues their entire relationship, you know, yeah. for, for Ellie's entire life. Can we uh, hit on them meeting for a second? I'd like you to. Because I have something I would like to say about it. They, at the time, this was like approximately... 1996 or 1997. Okay. The relationship seemed very short, so I'm going to say probably more like 97. Uh, at the time, he was an auto mechanic and a car salesman. They're saying he was in China for work. I don't buy that even a little bit. They met uh, a friend of Angela's parents, set them up. And then after they were, they go on their date, decide that they're going to continue seeing each other. But obviously he lives in Kansas. So they wrote letters back and forth. And then within a year, she moved all the way over to Kansas. Right. To be with him. And then she had to, they had to get married within 90 days for immigration purposes. Here's the thing for me. Talk to me. I don't buy this horse shit. He was in China for work. Come on. So you it know what I you know what I think it is? And no one has said this anywhere involving this case. So I feel like someone's not gonna like me saying it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I think Angela was a mail order bride. Listen, here's the thing. Uh-huh. That is something that, and listen, that that term is obviously something that is that is quite antiquated. That that people because this is a real this is a real thing that still exists. It it is oh, it's yeah. existed for I mean I gosh decades and decades. There's actually a woman that I know, and very tragically, her mother passed when she was I'm not sure a preteen ish I think. And their dad brought a catalog and said, let's pick out your new mom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And listen, and he did. And he brought this woman to America. Now, the good news is, is that she was great and they had a great life and, and it was she was a great stepmom. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Great, you know, happy ending to the story. But I only offer that because, because I don't think that this is as uh, rare as people think. And it's also like, listen... I watch a lot of 90 Day Fiance. I watch a lot of those those yep. documentaries. And I say all the power to you. People meet how they meet. And and I think that, you know, I, have I been pushed to the, the point where I thought, could I buy a bride? <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, so it, it, I, I just think that there is a real possibility that it was more that he was going to meet her for a reason or going to meet someone for a reason whether or not there it was an actual service involved or or whatever I mean who knows but yeah. I do think that you're right it did it did ring a bell for me too when it was like he was working as a mechanic and was in China on business and I was like wow that's a pretty high-end mechanic like mechanics yeah. make great money don't get me wrong but like why would he need to take a business trip to China that just seems so random yeah uh it's it's immediately it stuck with me and how people just keep trying to like brush it off i will say i mean no shade whatsoever yeah i'm also not suggesting mail order i mean i know a lot of especially probably years ago not as much now uh i'm sure a lot of it was like 
the parents like forced the child into this or right. even in some cases it has been known like the parents have sold yes their daughter to somebody yes in a case like this like angela would have been about like 30 almost 30 and she was the quote was very eager for a family so i just feel like it's more than possible she put herself out there yeah and was like hey i just there's slim pickings around here i just want a family a nice person whatever and that's how they meet the reason i brought it up i mean china is one of the main countries of east asian mail order brides I know the term isn't the best, uh, but also I found an article on Mail Order Brides from 1995. Interesting. And uh, the ads for it say things like gorgeous Pacific women, pen pals, romance. And like the main thing of it is, is that you meet somebody and then you correspond with them through letters for a considerable amount of time and then when you're ready you pay for them to come over Interesting. and there's there's like there's a specific catalog there one specific one anyway where it's like here's this catalog it's free but it costs you ten dollars for every address that you want to be able to contact these women or you can pay like four hundred dollars for a one-year subscription that gets you about three thousand addresses which 3,000. feels very sad to me, but just yeah. that you would be like, I'm going to send that many out. The thing that the other reason that I was kind of like, oh, maybe uh, Angela had an older sister who immigrated to the States before her. She also conveniently immigrated to Kansas. And they actually lived close together and they like saw each other all the time hung out at holidays, all of that stuff. But then this sister, Catherine, moved to New York. And then they right. kind of drifted apart. But I just find it wildly fascinating that both of them just happened to meet. Well, and you know what else? It's you possible know? that her sister was involved in that kind of service and then perhaps mm-hmm. met, you know, met sure. um, Jeff. And then it could be honest that they were like, hey, I have a sister, you should meet her. Like, And then they used sure. the same kind of... Uh, template that Catherine and her partner use you know what I mean like it's feasible that uh, you know it could go either way but it definitely feels like yeah I I don't it definitely feels to me like the intention of that trip to China was to meet someone whether it was her or women in general it definitely felt to me again I agree that it was like I don't know that and many mechanics that are taking business trip business trips to to Asia I I mean maybe I'm wrong if you're a mechanic listening and you (laughs) often you know (laughs) frequent China on business trips tell me I'm wrong I'd be happy to eat I'd be happy to eat crow on that but yeah I mean it was it was also said their daughter said that it seemed like their relationship was more business associate as opposed to romantic partner interesting because they didn't even share a bedroom oh wow so i mean it's more than possible like and she also like angela relied on jeff for pretty much everything because again she didn't really like going anywhere by herself probably due to language issues and just being in a place she just wasn't comfortable or familiar with right uh she was the stay-at-home mom they had their daughter 
like a year or two after she'd moved and she just put all of her time and efforts into her and she dealt with like all of the yard work cleaning cooking all of that kind of stuff and so she relied on him for money because she wasn't getting money from anywhere so right it just it I can see it as like the business relationship right more than anything uh the other thing when she came to the states she found out that he had lied to her about his age (gasps) no he said he was much younger than he is but he's about 15 plus years older than her and he had lied to her about it also when she arrived somebody else was surprised that Angela was in the country and that person would be Jeff's ex-wife who had no idea that he was even seeing somebody let alone planning to marry them someone else I guess who was surprised was his daughter whoa okay here we go Mm -hmm. this is what I like yeah talk to me about this daughter because they don't reference that in the episode at all well, it seems I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I'm so sorry. I did go through your Facebook page. She doesn't really mention her father. Ellie has said and I'll get into how I found that out. She's never even met this girl. Oh, wow. So okay. I have a feeling that when they when he initially got divorced, he just like cut ties and whatever and just doesn't deal with his daughter at all. Right. Because she doesn't mention him anywhere. Right. But when you do a background check on him, like Brandy and I do, of course, he's only connected to two people based on like address. And that one of them, I don't remember who the one person was, but the second one was the ex-wife. And that's how I found her because I went looking through her and then I found the daughter who has her mother's last name. Wow. Yeah. The mother, seem, she has remarried. She seems very happy now. Good for her. But, but, but so, so they let did me not this... see this. They did not see Angela coming. They had no idea. And so also for just to clarify, so you went into Jeff's white pages and he's mm-hmm. only connected to his ex-wife and someone else. He's not connected on there to his daughter, Ellie, or Angela. Nope interesting so that's I'm weird very curious because angela would have to be in some way linked to that address yeah unless she was here illegally i mean that's the only thing yeah. i could think i mean they did say when they went looking for um a death certificate and couldn't find it the only thing they found was a marriage certificate so I would assume if they have a marriage certificate, she would have had to come in legally. I would think that. But I, I find would think it that, very but... interesting that they aren't linked. Because, I mean, you could even, like, if you go on, and this is a, a throwback to the first episode, if you check uh, Rob Andrus from the 13 Minutes episode, yeah, Pat- Patrice is listed there. Right. I mean, well, I guess it also, you know, I wonder what that is, is kind of what's the algorithm that 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 White Pages is using, because if Angela didn't have her own credit card, for example, or her own utility bills or phone bills, it is feasible that there may not really be much of a paper trail for her. Now, in terms of Ellie being very young, 
It's also feasible that if she didn't have her own credit card or bank accounts or whatever at that time, if she was using ones through her parents or something, there may not be a record of her either. But it is, True. that being said, that scenario is still quite odd, right? That, that somebody would not have any sort of, any sort of proof of their existence. Well, especially because Angela did have, she had a passport and a, uh, a driver's license. Interesting. So you would think somehow the driver's license info would at least link her to an address. Right. But, I mean, if you work for White Pages, hit us up because we have, some, we have some questions. We have a few questions. <laughs> yeah. If Christy could just get 20 minutes with your computer, okay? The, the inside White Pages computer system. Look, <laughs> just maybe, just like... Pass your password. I'll be gentle. Give I her ten won't. minutes. Give her ten I, minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll put an extra name in the draw. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what we can make away. good on. That's yeah. what we can make good on. Yeah. All right. So we've gotten kind of an insight into Angela and Jeff's relationship, your your yeah. theory, which I think that there is some real validity to there. Uh, absolutely. And then Ellie. So uh, what, what else do you want to talk about in terms of Ellie? Now, obviously, she was the one who the, the episode of Dateline was centering around. You know, yes. I've, I visited her. I'm, I, I know it goes without saying you've also looked at her social medias, looked at her Instagram uh-huh. and stuff like that. And she is making the rounds. Obviously, trying to do different TV appearances and podcast appearances to uh, raise awareness about her mother's case. Because her mother's case, which we will, again, we haven't really gotten into some of the details for people who aren't watching, but we will as we go on. It's very odd because as there's been no body that we know of, right? There's been no kind of paper trail, no death certificate. Uh, Jeff isn't coming forward with any sort of information about where she was, what state she was in. His story keeps changing. At first, she was taken in a parking lot and taken to a mental institution, which that, to begin with, I'm like, I don't know that that happens, first of all. Then he was like, someone called and said she had died, and I don't know who it was, but I took their word for it. Then he said, well, I got I got her ashes in an urn, and then, you know, weeks later, he opened it, and he was like, but there, I opened it weeks later, or however long later, and there was nothing in there. Maybe she is alive. Like, Ugh. it's so bizarre. And, you know, the fact that he also had told Ellie not to tell Angela's family that she had died, and then Ellie respected that, which I thought was interesting, because that's a huge, bizarre ask. Uh, at, you know, yeah. you know, I'll just I'll call it like it is. I think a lot of people would look at that and question that. If someone's saying, you know, if a man is saying my wife has died, I have no proof yeah. of it, and I don't want you to tell her family, that's an alarm bell to me. Now I know yeah. obviously Ellie was very young at the time. Also, I'm sure in shock of about her mother's disappearance, potential death, all of the above. Also, the fact that her father had seemingly been lying to her and whatnot. But it is interesting to me that she did kind of respect his witches and not originally tell his family. But she does eventually tell uh, her his mother's sister, correct? Yes. And that's yes. how she got into contact with her cousin, who they weren't close growing up, I guess, because one was in New York, one was in Kansas. But they've really come together. Uh, they're like this, uh, you know, again, this is what made me think of us. Now, again, we yeah. have a lifetime together. But uh, that it's a cousin duo looking for justice. And they've really teamed yeah. up to try and try and solve this thing yeah i mean and good on them for trying i mean because ellie i mean i get like i had the same thought of like if someone's like hey someone you're close to is dead please don't tell their family that's weird 
Like alarm bells should be going off. She did like at some point like quest ask a lot of questions of him and he would just always shut her down. And she said at one point she just like stopped pushing him because she was worried if she pushed too hard, she would lose him and she'd already lost a parent. She didn't want to lose another. She was 18 at the time. Yeah. Had just like barely left home. And like in high school, she wasn't allowed sleepovers or parties or going on dates. And so I don't think she had a lot of like world experience kind of thing. So she was probably, forgive the term, but she was probably a little bit sheltered and probably very excited to get out and do her own thing. And so then to have a parent like, oh, your mother's dead. And then the idea of, okay, well, I've lost that parent, but if I lose the other, then that's the only thing like tethering you to that family. Absolutely. And also, you know, you're at face value. Why would you ever assume your living parent was lying? You know, like I'm sure, you know, being also an only child with the three of them, like, you know, I'm an only child, uh, technically. And, you know, you spend a lot of time. I was an only uh, only child with a single mom for most of my life. And you spend a lot of time together like you're you're in each other's business. And I know that, you know, families have varying degrees of that. But I think there is a specific thing with only children which I can speak to. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I do yeah. think you have a different relationship potentially with, with, with a parent. I know, again, like, my mom and I were were very close. My mom and I were very much more like roommates by the time I was a teenager and sisters sure. than we were mother and daughter potentially. Um, this doesn't sound like this is the case in, in this dynamic, obviously, with them. But it is interesting to me that uh, I, I see your point is my point, and I do agree that I feel like someone who potentially was very close to her mom had also had a fight with her mom right before she apparently disappeared. I, I could see not wanting to question your dad either, and like, okay, I guess I have to respect what he wants, and she wasn't close to those relatives herself, so maybe she didn't feel at first like she had an obligation, but of course then she eventually did, so that's a moot point anyway. But it is just, again, an interesting detail to note that he was like, don't tell anybody, don't specifically, don't tell her family, and he didn't want to have any sort of funeral or a memorial or anything like that for her, which is also a red flag. Oh, there are so many red flags in this. I mean, another red flag that I find, and I'm only noticing it because I've highlighted it in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie had said in an interview that she wasn't allowed to go on dates in high school. Uh, Well, in May of 2017, she went as somebody's grad date to the prom. And then a year later, I guess technically two years later, she started dating him. Like that was her boyfriend. And of course, yes, because I went through his Instagram as well. Well, Uh, And she... She even commented, oh, wow, didn't, didn't even tag your own date. So it it's proof that... Uh, right, right. So maybe, I don't know if they made an exception for that evening Possible. or not, or if she was just trying to make it hurt, make it seem like she was more sheltered than she actually was. Interesting. You know, and I know I've referenced this movie before, but maybe it's a little bit footloose, you know, like... <laughs> yeah. Tra- the daughter that's like, I'm this good girl. And then next thing you know, she's in red cowboy boots, smoking a joint <laughs> with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I w- 
was I can also speak to that because I was a good girl also, yeah. but I was also, you know, <laughs> not in cowboy boots, but I was definitely if smoking I, if joints. I may, <laughs> you still are a good girl. Thank you so much. I do pride yeah. myself on that. But yeah. I do I do also believe that there is some, when you when you have uh, as a preteen and teen when you have like really strict rules, I do think that the tendency is to kind of go the other way, which I I certainly did in in a few ways. I was still good and a great student and all the above, but it sounds like yeah. she was too. But that doesn't mean she didn't want to cut loose, foot loose, get out your Sunday she shoes. Just, <laughs> she just wants to dance. Just let her dance. Listen, come on. Yeah, I get it. Dance. I get yeah. it. Okay, so what else you got for me? Is there other things of note about Ellie? I'm just really, I mean, I have questions about her. Right. This is a bit early to get into, but when, when you, when you look at a case yeah you gotta look at everybody absolutely you can't go into it assuming people are innocent and moving on with your life right you gotta look at everybody so yeah i looked around and (laughs) i just i just feel like there's something about her that doesn't sit with me Mm. i can't imagine what it's like to lose a parent no Especially, uh, at a young especially age. as a teenager, yeah, yeah. But I'm also just like, and I'm so glad that she's now finally making the rounds and get the word story. Out. Yeah, trying to find uh, some answers and get the justice that uh, her mother deserves, and that's great. But it also just seems very. I can't think of a classy way to say it. Really, it's just. It also seems like her dream is to be an actress. Oh, okay. And so she she'll like make a post and be like, "Hey, I want to talk about my mom, and here's this beautiful photo of us from my childhood." Great. And then she'll make another post where it's like, "I'm talking on Dateline tonight," and it's just a picture of her in like a gorgeous evening gown. And it's like, what, what's that got to do with anything? Like, it just feels her her entire Instagram. She is like a 19-year-old girl. So yeah. she, it's very, like, model-like. Right. But it just feels like, like, are you getting the word out for all of the right reasons? Is I my see what you're saying. Case. I well, feel for the situation she's in, but I just can't help but question, just, just are all of the motives? Well, to, and listen, you know. it's it's such a tough, I mean, social media is so weird to begin with. And I don't, I yes. can't imagine being someone who's grown up with it as a child. And because it is like, it's like, how are we using this? What are the lines? What makes sense? What doesn't, you know? And, yes. and she was technically only allowed a cell phone once she got to her senior year of high school. Wow. So she wouldn't have had probably access to instagram or anything like that right until she was a senior yeah well listen again it is it is such a hard line to toe and you know what in a sense i i can see her point a little bit to, you know to, to see the other side it's like what do you what is the picture that you choose for that post like it must be such a bizarre sure. thing to have to say like well i'm on dateline tonight talking about the disappearance of my mother and my father's potentially involved like i i can see a little bit being yeah. like well <laughs> I don't know. Here you go. Sure. You know, it's, it's, yeah, again, it's, it must be such a bizarre thing to navigate and a bizarre thing too, because she's gone from having so many rules to now, 
you know, because I, I don't believe she has much of a relationship with her dad at this point, no. right? Uh, they only speak via text. He didn't even contact her on her birthday. Oh, wow. And really, it's like they have one text conversation every few months because he is still helping to pay tuition. Right. So he'll, like, help her with that and, like, helps pay her rent. He seems very, well, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it please, now, all right? Please. The gloves are coming off about Jeff. He seems very uh, what, non-emotional, but to a point of, of like, I don't want to throw around the term sociopath because I p- think people do that all the time and they misuse it, etc. But it does feel like he is he has got a real disconnect here. You know what I mean? Like, your daughter, mm-hmm. your, your only child, well, excuse me, not her, not his only child now, yes. thanks to your revelation, but mm-hmm. but your, your very young grieving child is obviously confused about everything that's going on. You've not been forthright about any of this information. She's trying to um, respect you, but then at the same time feels like, I don't feel like this makes sense. And then that's how you handle the situation by basically like removing yourself from her life. Like that feels to me like somebody who, truly is devoid of emotion and and mm-hmm. and I think that that's important to to really hit here because it just doesn't seem to me plausible that a father would be like well your mother's died bye you know what I mean like that's just horrifying so yeah. I guess I guess all of this to say too I think maybe you know in terms of some of her her potential her social media choices and stuff like that I say we give her a break because I think that she's really going sure. through it She's really going through it right now. Oh, I'm yeah. feeling, like, you know, her father completely abandoned. Her father couldn't have been great growing up with. Yeah. Um, his entire family has completely cut off Ellie from the moment really? she, from the moment she started talking to media. They just see ya and they want wow. nothing to do with her. Her boyfriend or she, well, her ex-boyfriend because they are no longer together. Really? Uh, really. Oh, because I, I I, did see that she still has a post up that they had their one year anniversary in June. Since then. Since Halloween. So this is really recent. And I'm going to get in close yeah, to I mean, tell you. Uh, I'm in the vault with you. Perfect. She posted Halloween and had multiple costumes. He was in that post. Yeah. He isn't anymore. (gasps) His side of those photos, still up. She's taken them off of hers. Now, do you know for a fact that they've broken up or is this your theory? Oh, you do? Yes. I also, to be fair, watching the episode, they kept talking about them as a couple and they would just, there's something that didn't feel couple about them. Like they... Like the way they would walk, like right. one was like a half step ahead and they always made sure there was space between them. And it seemed like they may have been a couple, but weren't anymore. So I'm wondering if they were on the outs at that point. But uh, I mean, if I can find my note quickly, I'll just jump to it. Yeah. She did a Q&A on Instagram. Okay. I read through it. Her account's not private. I didn't do anything wrong. No. Somebody asked if she was still with her boyfriend. She said, nope. Somebody then asked, why did you guys break up? And she said, I realized I deserved better. So glad I did. Interesting. 
but she still considers his family her family, like super tight because his family essentially took her in when she had nowhere else to go after her mom kicked her out. Well, and it's important to note also that they did that very early in their relationship because they started dating in June of 2019 and then her mother went missing in, or she got kicked out uh, in June. Five days later. Five days yeah. Thank you very much. So they, I mean, uh, that good on that family. I mean, bless them for opening their home to her because otherwise it feels like she may have been, you know, in a really precarious situation. So that's that's oh, great yeah. that they've been so kind to her and, and all of that. But it is an interesting detail to note once again. Now, we got to take a quick break, uh, but there is so much more to come after this. So stay tuned for more about Hope Whispers. What's up, everybody? This is Lauren Ash, and I hope you are enjoying this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. A couple of quick reminders. If you're looking for any of the visuals Christy mentions in this or any of our episodes of the podcast, make sure to follow us at True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram. There she posts a case file with all the relevant visuals for each episode of the show. If that's not enough for you, you want a little bit more? Go to our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com. There, Christy posts extensive virtual case files. This is literally everything everything she finds in her research. It's a treasure trove of deep dives and it's all there for your enjoyment. Also on the website, you can find our full unedited Zoom episodes of the show if you'd like to watch rather than listen. And make sure to give us a follow on Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails, Twitter at Not Detectives, and the most important piece of information, if you like the show, please, wherever you listen to it, give us a nice rating. Go on to Apple, leave us a nice review. I know it sounds like a silly cliche, but the truth is it really goes a long way in this crazy podcast world, and your support means the world to us. But enough about all that. Get yourself another drink, sit back, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails, where we are discussing the Dateline mystery, Hope Whispers. Now, let's just get into the timeline. Let's dive right in, because the the twists and turns this thing takes are nutty. So, Christy, be our Sherpa. Lead us on this journey. All right. Picture it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little uh, Sophia Petrillo when I do that, and uh, it just gives me joy. I love it. Prairie Village, Kansas. I'm listening. June 19th, 2019. Ellie gets back from her first year at college. She's just done a month in uh, Italy. And she has a huge, huge fight with her mother. Right. Probably a situ... Like, no, I can't find anywhere online that specifically says what the fight was. But it's easy to guess. Like, probably uh, Ellie's trying to push her independence... Angela's trying to, you know, grasp onto like her daughter who she feels she's losing. Right. 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 Because with little relationship with her husband, she was probably like without her daughter. What's she got? Right. What's the point of sticking around this house? So at one point, Angela says to Ellie, well, you might as well leave now. Get. And told her, get the fuck out. Right. Ellie left. Three days later, uh, Jeff texted his daughter and said, oh, by the way, you can come home now. Mom was taken to a mental health facility and won't be back for a while. She then questioned that and was like, well, wait, what's going on? Like, how did you get her to a mental health facility? Yeah. This is his text response. 
We met the mental health people in the store parking lot, and it was a struggle. Better than trying to pry her out of the house. And she always looks good when she goes out, so she did not have the embarrassment of house clothes or an untidy house. Oh, and don't let anyone know about your mom, including her New York family, until I know more about her condition. Okay, so this seems to me like he's saying maybe he was a part of this, that it was like she needed to get committed, and then he was like, well, we'll get her when she's out so that she looks presentable and and doesn't feel as embarrassed. Although that rationale kind of falls flat when it's like, so it's less embarrassing to be taken from a parking lot in public? I mean, okay. I mean, the last time I can think of anybody being, like, taken in public to a mental health facility yeah is Belle's dad in Beauty and the Beast (laughs) (laughs) I just don't feel like that happens crazy old Maurice always always good good for a laugh laugh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know that it does happen but listen again we're trying to look at this from all sides so okay let's just let's just plow through because this again it takes some twists and turns this entire timeline and jeff's story certainly takes some twists and turns but that's interesting because they didn't read the exact text on the episode and that's interesting that he was because in that context it seems like he is suggesting that he was a part of it that like Maybe the the subtext is that fight that your mother had with you was crazy, and I think that she's she's you know not well, and so I thought that she should get checked in for a bit. Sure. Again, I'm 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 following his train of thought, and I know it's just going to derail very quickly. Sure. So, well, speaking of texts that he sent that weren't on the show, yes. For one, he asked Ellie to come to the house to sort through her mother's stuff. Why would you do that if she was just away but going to come back? That's weird. You know? Yeah. Also, this text that came, that was out of nowhere, so it I don't really get where he was going with it. I would like to talk about the good things mom did. That's wild. Especially the way it's like the stuff she did making it sound like past tense. Yeah. You know, like, as though there's not going to be anything good ever coming from her again. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. So the 19th of June, she's in the fight. The 22nd of June, she's apparently, quote, taken to this mental hospital. Yeah. These these texts are flying. What happens next? July 16th, Ellie and her boyfriend, Zach, attend a Frisbee tournament at a local high school. They get home around 10 p.m., Minutes later, Jeff pulls into the driveway and says, well, Angela died of a stroke. He specifically said Angela. He didn't say your mom. It was Angela died of a stroke. And then he left. Oh, my God. This poor girl. She's just like, that's that's wild. Yeah. My God. I mean, there is no chance that this dude ever shows proper emotion for anything. Yeah. Again, like his wife of over 20 years has is n- not around. And his reaction is just like, eh. You know, like, it's insane. 
Well, the other thing I want to just quickly note that I just put together right now is that if yeah. you were to commit somebody, you can get someone committed. You can 5150 somebody to a hospital. I, I know this not because I've been through it. I just watch a lot of intervention. and uh, <laughs> But that's only for three days, I believe. And I don't think that you can keep someone against their will for longer. I mean, I guess yeah. if maybe the doctors determined that this person was like extremely out of their minds or a, a threat to themselves or someone else... Maybe sure. I don't know the ins and outs of what the that the like legality of that is, but it does seem wild to me that she could be just quote in a mental hospital because also is is there a mental hospital in this small town in Kansas? <laughs> like where uh, is this mental well, that's hospital? The, that's the other thing. He could not tell the name of the hospital because he didn't know it. He couldn't tell the plate like the city it was located in. He just said it was down south somewhere. I mean. It, again, either yeah. if he's telling the truth, he's a terrible husband because he, he obviously disregarded his wife's life immensely uh, uh-huh. to the point that he didn't know where she was during this time. Uh, or he's lying and he knows exactly where she is because he either had something to do with it or whatever. So, yeah, I think yeah. either way, there's there's got to be some level of, of responsibility that comes back to him. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so he shows up, he's like, Angela's dead, bye, which is horrifying. Okay, then what? Uh, Well, Zach's mom, uh, Sarah, was like, she reached out to him and was like, could you maybe come over tomorrow for lunch so we could talk about this? He comes over, she's like, it was the most awkward lunch of my life. Uh, It was hard to get any sort of reaction out of him or like any information but they were like you know what you can't judge how somebody's grieving so we don't know so we're just gonna we just whatever he gives us great uh he told them uh don't know i don't know where the hospital is it was somewhere down south he doesn't want a memorial he doesn't want an obituary he wants nothing and he really wants ellie to not tell angela's family namely her sister in new york And I guess her family, uh, her parents back in China. And so Ellie was just didn't really know how to take that. Didn't want to lose her dad. And I'm sure there's also a part of her. She's young enough. Didn't want to go against something that totally a parent had said. So, okay, great. So she decides to say nothing about it. Uh, Then February 13th of 2020, Ellie finally breaks down and calls Angela's sister Catherine in New York and tells her Angela has died. Now Catherine had tried calling Angela recently because there was a family wedding coming up and they had not heard back from Angela whether she was coming or not but she said it wasn't it wasn't rare or unusual for Angela not to reach out because they had grown quite distant over the years right? Uh, since they lived so far apart and so She's like, it it wasn't that surprising to me that she wasn't responding. And then when she got this news, she was really surprised. And she's like, well, is there a death certificate? To which Ellie goes, what's a death certificate? And they're like, you need to get a death certificate. Right. So the next day, we're still February 2020. Yeah. Ellie drives to the vital statistics office in Topeka to request a copy of her mother's death certificate. They search through records and all they can find that has Angela's name on it is her marriage certificate to Jeff. There is no death certificate there anywhere. There is, in fact, no record of her death in any state 
in the United States. So then Catherine and uh, her daughter Michelle, who is the uh, cousin, half of the duo on the show, they decide to request a police welfare check on Angela, send the cops to her house, police arrive, and Jeff goes, oh yeah, she's just away with friends for the weekend. This is wild. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the show, too, there was a reference of the police, one of the police officers they interviewed, and they were like, well, have you talked to him? And they were like, well, he refused. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, I guess maybe I'm going by film and TV and I'm wrong, but, but like, why isn't there more being done about this case? Why aren't they trying to piece together a timeline? I don't know, a body or her real body, if she is somehow still alive, like, how is it that it, you can just say, like, I'm not going to talk to you and the police go, so sorry, sir. <laughs> sorry to bother you. Like, I, you're the police. Like, if you got to talk to him, you talk, you get a warrant. Like, and I, wouldn't yeah. you think that him, you know, the fact that Ellie has been involved with the police and has gone to them, she's tape recorded conversations with her and her dad for mm-hmm. the police. Wouldn't you think that that would be enough for them to get a warrant to basically force him to talk? Oh, you would think so. I mean, they do, coming up here shortly, they do get two search warrants. Okay. Uh, but I see your point, absolutely. I, I, Again, maybe movies and TV have ruined us. Maybe. But you can't tell me that if the cops are like, you're a suspect in this. Yes. We want to talk to you, that I have a right to go, nah. That just feels implausible like, to me. Because again, okay, she's away with friends. Who? You you know? And yeah. I know that this, and this was recent. So does, where's her cell phone? Where's her friend's phone number? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, to me, it's just like an easy next question where if you're doing a welfare check, like, why aren't you following up on it? You want to know where her cell phone was? Yes. At the house. Okay, come on. With her purse, her driver's license, her passport. No. She, all, her wallet, she never took out money leading up to this. She didn't have money on her own. So if she was going to go somewhere, what money would she have gone with? And also, she kind of stuck to herself. She was just kind of quieter, very soft-spoken. Her main focus in life was her daughter. She loved her daughter so much. And she was a really protective mom, a little bit strict. Just wanted what was best for her daughter. But... Kind of just like all of the moms in the area were like, I knew her to see her, but the child, like she wasn't allowed play dates. So it's like they, like one mom had said she was only ever in their house once. Their children grew up together, going to school together, but she was in the house once and then they ended up like ordering pizza or something. And so the next day this mom was like, you know what, I'm going to go over and give her my phone number in case... You know, we want to like hang out, be buddies, whatever. Right. As moms do. Uh, She went over, no answer at the door. So she left her phone number, wrote it down, left it there, never called her. And this was like a decade ago. And so she said like, it's just she didn't seem interested in being, you know, with the other moms. And I get it because it can be so intimidating. It's also such a crazy world to have like, your child becomes friends with a child and then it's like well I guess you're now forced to be friends with this child's parents because (laughs) you know it's like well now your children know each other and they want to 
hang out, but you're they're young enough, you have to be the one to organize it, or then the child comes over and then you're going to be the one hanging out with this other child. So it's just, once your child picks friends, yeah, then it's just, well, I guess they've chosen your friends. You know, like, so right. it's just an automatic thing. So I get the whole, like, I'm good. Like, she, this woman also said, like, when Angela's, like, taking Ellie to school when Ellie was younger, it was, she was always very put together. Whereas this woman was like, I'm lucky to get out the door in sweatpants. And I'm like, let me tell you, <laughs> there has been more than one school drop off in my fuzzy Batman pants. I'll tell you that much. Well, listen, bailiff we'll top on the can. top and <laughs> pajama pants on the bottom. It turns out that's just always who I have been. And I love you for it. I'm my own spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, well, and that also might be Brandy talking. Uh, I kid. I kid. Brandy's my spirit animal. <laughs> Who's kidding who here? Oh, now, that naughty minx. I was just thinking of something. This mm-hmm. is like, I'm just slowly putting this together as we're talking. And I'm going to throw this out there, not to belabor, but just as a thought. It feels to me like there's some signs here that this could potentially have been an abusive relationship. Sure. The fact that she, you know, because listen, obviously, I guess Kansas to New York is far, but it's not as far as China, for example. And, you know, sure. you and I both know that if you want to maintain a, a relationship with somebody long distance, you can do it. It's just feeling to me more and more like, was it her choice that she was always in the home all the time? Was it her choice that she was kind of, you know, estranged from her sister and niece and, sure. and the rest of that family? Was it her choice that she was always going out looking put together? Or was that something going on in the relationship with Jeff? Is it, again, and we're yeah. just exploring all all potential, you know, yeah. possibilities here. But it just feels to it just feels off, and it just feels to me like for someone to be that kind of secluded, and that is, of course, a, a very common sign. Alienating, you know, isolating someone from their friends and family is like the first thing on the list of any, oh, you know, yeah. you know, signs of emotional abuse or you know, et cetera. So I just I just put that out there because it does feel to me like it's interesting that she, you know. That she just kind of, oh, we just faded away, which does happen too. But like sure. with all of the added stuff and the fact that people commented on the fact that she was never really out and that she was quote, such a homebody. And I mean, listen, if that's the case, and I I, I, I mean, I'm really taking some leaps here because I obviously have nothing to base this on other than, you know, these little bits of information. But that could have changed the dynamic with Ellie as well. Perhaps that has something to do with her journey as well right now that maybe is there stuff that she witnessed that. She doesn't know whether she can come forward about. Is she afraid of him? Like, there's lots of, you know, layers to what that kind of dynamic could uh, involve. I just throw that out there. Oh, no. I think that is brilliant because, I mean, really, you hit the nail on the head. You In, in an abusive situation, you cut the ties for anybody so that you're cutting off all of their available escape routes. Exactly. They have nobody to contact. She would have had no money of her own. Was that her choice? Or was it his choice to make it so she depended on him because he wanted her to depend on him? We have no idea. But it it, it fits the it fits the the theory that he killed her. 
if he was abusive and he's devoid of emotion, all this stuff. Yeah. It, it fits that, but it also fits that she did just escape and run away and is with somebody else God knows where. It fits both of those things if it was an abusive situation, right? So yeah. it's interesting to think about. All right, so we're at we're in February 2020, March 2020. Where are we? Uh, well, we're now February 18th of 2020. Okay. Because this is the day. Now the police have just done the uh, welfare, welfare check. The husband is like, ah, she's fine. Went away with friends. And the daughter is like, hmm. That's not what he told me. Right. So she goes and files a police report and a missing persons report specifically. And while she's at the police station filing the report, her dad calls her. So because she's sitting with police, she answers it on speaker. And the father is like, he admitted he made up the entire story about the mental hospital. He said, I didn't want you to think she'd run off with a stranger to do something. The truth is, she kind of disappeared. Again, if she doesn't really talk with anybody. Right. And she left everything behind and has no money. Where was she going to go? You know, like, I have a lot of questions about that. Yeah. So he claims that after she disappeared... He got a call from someone saying that she'd been admitted to a hospital. He doesn't know who the person was, but he just accepted that. Then he claims a few weeks later, somebody called and said, well, she's died. He didn't take notes about what hospital it was because he was, quote, busy at work. So I can tell you this. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I get a phone call that's like, your husband has died. Nothing else in the world matters in this moment. I don't know a lot of employers you know? that would say, you got to keep working in this moment. I think it's pretty across the board that you go, I have to leave. And they go, his spouse has died. Like, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I also find it interesting that he says they called him at work because then there's no, like, real way to be like, they called on this phone. You can track, like, they can't. They could look at the phone and see all the numbers that called, but where he was working at the time, they can't narrow down whether a phone call came into him at that time or not. Right. Because here's the thing. I don't know when it happened, but he did a bit of a job change over the years. Oh, okay. He was no longer a mechanic. He was working in information technology for the courthouse interesting uh-huh so i don't know uh what that's about but yeah that's interesting i also find it crazy that like they repeatedly said like he met when they met he was a car mechanic and a salesman and then all of a sudden like 20 years later he works it for the government I don't know how that leap happened, but I find that incredibly interesting. Yeah. But even then, like, it doesn't matter how busy you are at work. If you're like, my spouse has died, they're going to give you a break. Oh, yeah. Like, nobody, that's, that's, again, this just fits, again, this weird profile of this non-emotion, which you hear from him in the episode, too, because she tape recorded a lot of their phone conversations, and you can hear him, like, 
you know, other than him kind of like getting his feathers ruffled a little when she said you lied to me and he was like, I didn't lie. Other than that, he's like very non-emotional, which is, it just yeah. feels, yeah, it feels very odd. All right. So what yeah. happened next? He says he didn't take notes because he was busy at work. Right. Then he says he got a call that someone's going to come by the house and pick up money for the cremation. He got an urn, gave them the urn and money, apparently. Then they dropped the urn back off at the house. It was all done by phone. It was later. I'm not even sure when later, but like at least a month or so later, he looked in the urn and it was empty. So now he's changed his story on, oh, well, she might be alive. He suggests maybe she faked her own death to make him feel bad. To which I say, make you feel bad about what? Great point. What you you do, Jeff? What you do? What did you do? You know? Yeah. If you were like an upstanding guy, decent husband, why would she want you to feel bad? Absolutely. You know? So I have that question. Yeah. So then Ellie was like, well, maybe we should go out and look for her. And he said, I don't know where to look or what to look for. So she said, well, I will help you. To which he said, and I quote, you're stating that as if I'm going to go out and walk up and down the streets and knock on doors and look for her. And no, I'm not going to do that. She left so I don't feel the need to chase her. Jesus. So again, pushing that, she just up and disappeared. So police have checked travel records. They checked flights and planes and anything in and around the area, all of it. They checked traffic cams. Nothing. There is just no sign of her. Like, no, like, she didn't, I don't know if she even had a vehicle of her own, but she, like, we just have no idea how she would have even left the house unless it was, like, on foot with nothing because all of her stuff was at the house. None of her stuff was missing. And not to get dark, if you're going to, like, kill someone, yeah, isn't it, like, 101 to get rid of some of their stuff? Like, put some of their stuff in a bag, toss it in a river, donate it, couple counties over, something like that, and then be like, they took off. See, their stuff is gone. absolutely it just seems weird to be like oh yeah she disappeared didn't take a thing with her i'll i'll see that and i'll raise you a if you're a police officer assigned to this case would you not see a man who is admitted to lying and go we need to push harder and get more done with this because clearly he's hiding something i still can't believe they haven't forced him to talk i I understand it you can't like you can't arrest him or you can't hold him for like so many hours. I get that. Right. But you can't force him to come talk to you, even with a lawyer present. Like it's really bizarre. It's to just me. insane to me. All right. Well, listen, we gotta we gotta wrap this up soon. So so yeah. talk to me about, about Jeff's lawyer, because he did get a lawyer, right? Um well he did, and part of the reason he did is because the police uh executed two search warrants. Right. One, for the family home in Prairie Village. He told police again she was just away for the weekend. Right. So this was no longer, she wasn't missing and she didn't take off with friends. This was a, she was just away for the weekend. 
So again, he's telling another version of his story. He can't even keep his own story straight. Yeah. So the police find the urn, see that it's empty, and they said it's practically brand new. So I find it weird that even if he, like, if he went and bought it just to go with his story, like, it's just so weird. Was he thinking he would give it to Ellie and be like, here she is. And that she'd never look inside it? Like, that's bizarre. it's, It's such a weird... Thing. All of Angela's stuff was at the house when the police got there. She left her purse, phone, passport, driver's license. Oh, and her car. There we go. It was in my notes. She hadn't removed any money from her bank accounts since she was last seen. Uh, Ellie said that her mom didn't like using credit or debit. Uh, she didn't like going shopping on her own. Hardly left the house without her daughter or her husband. Police dug into the backyard found nothing uh they had a second search warrant in uh a place where jeff stores cars that he works on because he likes to fix up vintage cars or whatever right and this particular place is a marionix inc which is a granite supplier i could not find a link between between the guy who owns this place and jeff but it's like a weird building because it's surrounded by like woods and behind it is a pond. Apparently the police have been through both of those and found nothing. So because there's no concrete evidence against him, they have made no arrest, nor have they publicly identified him or anyone else as a person of interest. But he knows, because he has said this to Ellie openly, he knows that the first person they look at is the husband. Right. So he got himself a lawyer. Now, his lawyer, he hired a criminal defense lawyer also. Not just like he got a lawyer. Like he made sure (laughs) the guy he got is named Paul Cram. Oh, boy. And I can tell you (laughs) what he could cram because (laughs) this dude, this dude, um, most of the stuff he seems to handle is like, DUIs and date rape cases. Uh, He has a blog on his website and one of the entries, which I read, which I it was the second one I was reading through just to get a feel for what the guy was like. Yeah. And at this point I had to stop reading it because I was going to throw my computer. He had one of his blogs was about talking about how, what he does as a defense attorney for a client who's accused of date rape. And he said how the Me Too movement has just really made his job more difficult and how it's so, it's just, oh, it's just the classic story of two people who were friends growing up and not, there was always sparks, but nothing ever happened. And then they go away to college and they come back and they see each other again and it's been a long time and they have a couple of drinks and one thing leads to another. And then next thing you know, The gentleman gets a phone call. He's accused of rape. And I find it so interesting that his whole blogs are just like, it's always the victim is in quotation marks. And the the person he's talking about is always the gentleman. Ugh. And it's just, it was, oh God, I just Also, what a specific story. Like date rape happens in so many different ways that Uh it sounds to me like Mr. Cram might be, I don't know, admitting his own story or his own relation to date rape. It's a lot. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, even if there's lawyers, even if there's criminal defense lawyers who do defend date rapists, et cetera, are they all yeah. writing blogs about, like, the vitriol they have for the alleged victims? And I say alleged because he is saying alleged? That's I mean, I wild. Get, I get that sometimes someone will accuse a man of rape and it's not real. Sometimes. But statistically but speaking, can it's we like, just believe women for Christ's sake? Can we please sake? believe women? Exactly. Can we just? And they they do say statistically, it is like virtually it it like never happens. It's 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 something like zero 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 point one or point zero 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 one or yeah. something. Yeah, we just need to believe just women. Just believe and, women. And the fact that this man is like, well, he's up, he's just upset because it's like messed with his business, and that's disgusting. Yeah. And the fact that that's the person that Jeff has hired, like. To, to defend oh, him like that's it's worse. again he's not helping the case it's worse this lawyer in 2007 he had a client named edwin hall okay this edwin hall and i'm not going to just say accused because he has since admitted it and he's gone was found guilty and has gone to jail he abducted strangled violated and dumped this poor woman in the woods her name was kelsey smith she was only 18 oh she was missing for four days before they found her near a lake he and again he was found guilty he was put in jail but because of that case uh it led to the creation of the kelsey smith act which is a law that states that cell phone companies can ping a phone if authorities deem that the subscriber could be in danger because that was a big thing. They were like, can't we just find her phone, find where she is? And they were like, well, that would be invasion of her privacy. Right. And so days later, they ended up finding her. But the point is, this led to something positive. However, that's the guy, the guy that tried to defend this guy. And I understand that there are defense lawyers who have to defend people like this, but just... Again, I go back to his blog where he just spends the whole time being like, well, you know, you have a few drinks and, you know, the the gentlemen always tell me, you know, she was very flirtatious. Oh, she please. was he's he's practically saying everything, but she wanted it. Yeah, I know she wanted it. And it's like, come on, just believe women. Just believe women. <laughs> yep, That's absolutely. It. Yeah. That's so gross. I can't even begin. Yeah. And the fact that he was involved in a high-profile case where a woman was, uh, unfortunately, very brutally murdered and dumped in the woods. like, And then yeah. Jeff was like, that's my guy. Like, that's crazy. It's almost like he just Googled, you know, defense lawyers. And it was like, oh, this guy's dealt with something. And it's like, yeah, but his client was found guilty. So. Yeah, and also, like, what's his track record? Like, why are you going for somebody that defends, like, the worst of the worst? Like, that feels, that feels like it's a bit of a, you know, red flag. Especially when, like, his main things are, like, DUIs and date rape and other, like, sexual misconduct or whatever. It's like, so why, why that guy? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get what his point was for going to that guy. But the point is, his lawyer is also gross. <laughs> Real gross. Okay, so, so gross. all right, we got to wrap things up before yeah. we get to the the theories. Is there anything else in the timeline we need to hit on before we we talk about what the what the potential theories are here? I mean, there's a quick rundown of like 
things that Jeff has claimed. Okay. Uh, just like as a small refresher for the listeners. First, he claimed that Angela was taken to a mental hospital against her will, and then she had a stroke. Next, he claims she disappeared. Someone called, said she was in a hospital. Then they called me and said she had died. Then he says she was away for the weekend. And then he's saying, ah, you know what? She probably faked her own death to make me feel bad. So I just feel like that's quite a ride yes. to go on. Yes. And again, it's so hard to, f- or rather, it's easy to forget. We're talking about his fucking wife here. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about somebody he knows. We're not talking about a neighbor that he may have seen. We're talking about his wife. And yet, he's just not, like, there's, he's like, ah, she left. I'm not going to follow her. And it's like, really? Because if mine chose to up and leave, I'd have some fucking questions. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, I would follow. And I mean, yeah. I mean, and the bigger point you for do me, a quick find your phone on the on your laptop and you find where that bastard is. You sure do. You know, um, but the bigger thing for me also is and I understand that they don't have any evidence so they can't arrest him. I, I get that also yeah. from watching television and film. But it's like there's so many lies. It just feels crazy to me that there isn't. It just it's it's a wild kind of story that he's managed again to have to actually answer to the police in any real way. And. It just it just feels crazy to me that they can't they can't bring him in on that. And I get I get that legally, I guess they can't bring him in on, you know, all the lies. But it just feels like it's such a shame because to your point, yeah, this is this this poor woman has has now disappeared. There's no body. Um, But also, I will add, you know, he did make it clear on the the episode he is the only suspect because to your point, yeah. he she stayed home all the time. She never went anywhere. She never did anything. She didn't really have a friend group. She was estranged from her family. Who had a motive in this situation? Yeah. I mean, the police did search his phone records and his internet history, but found nothing useful. They also, someone had asked Ellie if the police could like track Jeff's cell phone location from around the time that Angela went missing and she said that they could but he often didn't take his phone with him when he went places but she said they did they've checked through his phone and everything and found nothing helpful I'm just you said it he's the main suspect he's kind of the only suspect yeah and it's just what baffles me is he's He starts off as a mechanic. He's now an IT guy for the government. And somehow, I'm guessing only because of the like eight month lead he had before the police found out. But somehow he pulls this off with leaving no evidence behind. And not a trace. That's the other thing that doesn't make any sense. Because because truthfully, again, us exploring all options, the only other person that could even be a suspect would be Ellie because they did the you know they did have a fight and they often you know again I've learned that from TV sure. and film they'll be like what's the last time you talked to them you fought oh that's a whatever that um, yes but then what does that look like that's that's she was a good student she was a good girl it feels impossible that she you know I mean is there a world in which it got physical and something happened and then her dad helped her cover it up and this is a huge conspiracy that the two of them have 
have somehow orchestrated between the two of them in the grand scheme of anything being possible. Sure. Do I think that that's the case? Probably not. The investigator in me is not going to say no to anything. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, sure. They but get it, a little angry. Somebody grabs something off a nearby shelf or table, hits somebody else, is in shock and doesn't know what to do. But they so would have found like, something. I'll deal with this. Sure, but they would have found proof of that in the house. If they had a forensics team go through that house, there's no way so. that a, an accidental, you know, heat of the moment kind of uh, death or, sure. or, or accidental death, there's no way that they wouldn't find it, in my opinion. Oh, you would think so. Like, I just am wildly fascinated by there's just no sign yeah, anywhere. And I get that this is just kind of like, <laughs> this is our wheelhouse. This is what we do. We do the unsolved mystery. But yet, I'm that bozo that goes into it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll solve it by the end. And then it <laughs> ends. And you're like, fuck, I guess I won't. Yeah. Like, it's shocking to me. How like how can someone just up and disappear? Like, well, like it's just yeah. And his repeated lies and lack of empathy to me is also like a huge you know oh yeah. you know all signs point to Jeff. All right, we got to wrap it up. Theories, of course, she's gone somewhere. She's alive right now. Who knows? Yeah. Potentially, you know, escaping him. Uh, potentially, obviously, she was killed. It feels like you know he's the only real suspect in that situation. And then, of course, you also, you know, indicated that perhaps is there a suicide as a possibility for her? I mean, Ellie had said that when she saw her mom after she got back from Italy, her mom seemed like like she'd lost weight. She was more anxious, more sad. And again, she just spent the last year without like the person she liked the most in the world. So she's just hanging out with Jeff, who can't be a good time. I'll say it. He can't be fun to be around. And so, yeah, she's probably dealt with some depression. So who knows where that may have taken her. Yeah. But again, I still feel like no matter what she would have done, we would like she would have been found by now. Yeah, and that's like, the thing that just starts to, it just falls apart. And also, yeah. may I also just add, this has been a year where they've been apart. Yes, to your point, she'd lost weight. She seemed, you know, like she was despondent, all of these things. Is, is it feasible that abuse began after Ellie left the home? Is it feasible that Jeff was not oh. abusive towards Angela until Ellie was out of the home? And then Lord knows what was going on in that house. If Angela didn't have any sort of friend or family group, rarely left the home, it's who knows what was going on behind closed doors, which is yeah. truly heartbreaking. And, oh, you know, yeah. is part of Angela's freak out in this fight with Ellie about, you know, I don't see you anymore, whatever is part of it that it's like she's been living in this secret hell. I mean, who knows? It's more than possible. And she probably didn't want to tell Ellie because it's her dad and it's, and listen, I mean, no shade. I mean, I get it. That's a very oh. nuanced situation to be in. Um, what about this? Talk to me. So let, let's say Ellie goes away. The uh, issues between husband and wife, it, assuming that they're still not communicating very well. So abuse does start. Yeah. Ellie comes back and is like, hey, I'm here now. And maybe Angela was like, you can't be anywhere near him because I don't trust that he's not going to go for you. So she throws a fit, 
overreacts about something and is like, uh, I just go get out because she said they fought before, but she's never told her to leave before. That's so it's interesting. Like, was she doing the classic mom? I'm going to protect my child. Take the brunt of it. You get out. Go. Because I find it wildly fascinating that that was like the time she sent her out and then suddenly that's it. She's gone. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I'm fascinated that the police still find this just a missing persons case. Yeah. They, that's kind of where they're at. And I guess they're, I don't, I guess their hands are tied, but at the same, I, I just feel like I would push harder, but okay, yeah, maybe Who that's knows? just me. I mean, in 2019, over 600,000 people were listed as missing. And that number is insane. However, that is the lowest number since 1990. Wow. For missing people. Isn't that because wild? Like in 97, there were like 980,000 people that went missing. And the majority of cases do get solved. It's like the vast majority are solved within days or weeks. Only a small portion uh, actually involve foul play. And as we know from movies and TV, that first 48 to 72 hours are crucial. And he somehow was given like eight months where he could just, whatever he needed to do. I just find it fascinating that, so say he did do something or even say she just left on her own or whatever. He didn't remove any of her stuff from the house. Yeah. He was just like, eh, all right, well. That's it. This is just how I live. I'm just fascinated by it and I don't get it. Well, listen, I hope more than anything that can, you know, continuing to get this story out there is going to continue to get, you know, the police talking. I know they've said that it's a cold case. They review it once a month, according to what Ellie said in the episode. And I, I hope for for Angela's sake and Ellie's sake and, and her family that that we can get justice, obviously, for her for her death or or whatever has happened to her. I hope that she is found though it does feel very bleak at this point. Christy Oxborough knocked it out of the park, as always. Thank you so much for your research. You really, you just always, you never cease to amaze. You never cease to amaze, so thank you for that. I'm just really fucking jazzed that somehow I got to bring in Love Actually, <laughs> Footloose, and Beauty and the Beast. It's unprecedented. Three of my favorite things, like, in one episode, and it's not like I was taking a leap. Maybe I was... Never. Maybe we were because Brand- well, <laughs> I listen, think when Brandy's do, here, it do. needs to be we. Oh, <laughs> she's she's leading this train. She's like a warm hug on the inside, and I think I'm really gonna like this bitch. You know. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we thank you so much for listening to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. If you don't follow us already, get onto Instagram at True Crime and Cocktails. You're gonna want to get in on our. 12 Days of Christmas uh, giveaway challenge, if you haven't already. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at Not Detectives, Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails, and go to our website, truecremandcocktails.com, where you can visit uh, all of our extended, unedited Zoom episodes of the show, as well as extended case files that Christy uploads there. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Brandy and I love you. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Oh, where we do our final episode of the new Netflix Unsolved Mysteries episodes. And of course, that episode is... Stolen Kids? <laughs> 
Stolen Kids. We'll see you then. Bye. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.